In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. This is the first Sunday of Christmas, and it's the third day of Christmas. Remember that Christmas is 12 days long. If you're not careful, the world will tell you that it's over, that it was just one day, and they'll try to get you to wrap up your presents and to put away your tree and your decorations and to be done and to move on. And that would be a grave mistake because Christmas is not just a day, it's a whole season. And we want to experience and really spend these whole 12 days contemplating what it means that God became man so that man might become one with God. So we're in the third day and the first Sunday. We'll have one more Sunday of Christmas. That will be next week. And then we'll have Twelfth Night, uh, which is on that twelfth day of Christmas, where we uh, conclude this wonderful and beautiful season. When we think about Christmas and we think about the scriptures that are assigned for it, we typically think of the birth narratives of Luke and Matthew. That's where we read about Mary and Joseph and about Bethlehem and the stable. And we read about the wise men and the shepherds. And that's typically what we think of. And so it seems a little bit different sometimes when we read uh, John's Gospel, uh, because in John's Gospel, he takes a more cosmic approach, if you will, to that birth narrative. He's taking a more mystical approach, and he's showing us uh, that big picture. He's taking us way back, uh, away from the stable, away from Bethlehem, away from Judea. In fact, he's taking us all the way back to the perspective of creation, creator God, and his response to the darkness. His response to the darkness is to create and bring about light. And his response uh, to the darkness is always to bring about that light. What do we mean by light? Are we talking just about a candle here? Uh, No, we're talking about righteousness. We're talking about the will of God. We're talking about the grace of God, the power of God. We're talking about justice. We're talking about forgiveness, mercy, uh, grace, all the things of God uh, when we talk about that light, all the goodness of God and that goodness that he asks us to participate in. That's what we mean uh, that he brought the light. And indeed, he didn't just bring that light so that we could see it. He didn't just bring that light so that we could say, oh, look, God is good. Uh, But we read that he is light. So it's not as if God can just give us light or he can just give us forgiveness. But he is light. He is life. And so if we're going to have his light, if we're going to have his goodness, we have to have him. We have to have an intimate relationship with him. And indeed, the Holy Spirit has to come and dwell in us for us to really experience Uh, that light and what john also focuses on here is that the will of god is preeminent the will of god is above all things so if we are going to have love if we're going to have light if we're going to have any of these things it's god that first sent it it's god that first willed it and so if we're going to participate we're participating in the will of god he's the one that first loved us and our love is a response to him He's the one that first forgave us, and our response is to forgive others, right? If we want to receive forgiveness for ourselves, we say, uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So we are participating, we're receiving his forgiveness uh, by participating and offering it to others. There's really no other way for us to do it. To receive the light of God, we have to be willing to share it uh, and hand it to others. And this uh, mystical transformation that happens, this uh, dwelling in the light, this receiving the light of God, Isaiah compares to a marriage. 
And of course, marriage is at the heart of the scriptures. We see the importance of marriage as an analogy for our love and relationship with God, all the way from Genesis to Revelation. We can't really talk about the Lord or scripture without that marriage understanding. And here he says that he loves us as a groom loves his bride, and that uh, he would have us wear these new beautiful uh, clothes that we wear in marriage. We put on new clothes in marriage for the same reason we put them on in baptism, because they are a reminder that we're becoming a new person. When we're baptized, we become new people. When we are married, we become new people. Uh, The two become one flesh, right? And so there's a newness that happens when we receive the love of God. It's like in marriage, in those new clothes or those baptismal garments that he puts on. Indeed, uh, we all have to consider ourselves brides of Christ. And uh, for those of us that are men in the room, uh, we have to be willing to be considered brides, uh, just like the women in the room have to be considered sons in our relationship with God. And so we're always um, receiving that love and allowing ourselves to be transformed uh, through that love that God has for us. So St. Paul teaches us, again, uh, another kind of way of thinking about this love that God has for us and this new relationship that he draws us into. He takes it a step further and he talks about a relationship that we're kind of naturally in with God, and that is as children and, and slaves, if you will. We're slaves to the law. The law is there, and we're under that law. There's really nothing that we can do about it. Uh, Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not lie. Uh, These are simply the laws, and we are going to face consequences when we break them. Uh, That's just a natural kind of child relationship. For those of us that are parents, we know that uh, our children uh, can be made to do what we want them to do for a time, right? We can force them to clean their rooms and to, uh, to make their beds and to put on clothes and to do things with us. But we know that that's not enough. Right? We don't want them just to do what they're supposed to do because we make them do it. We want their hearts and minds to be transformed so that they want to do the things that we want them to do, so that we share in an understanding and in a culture. And indeed, this is what uh, St. Paul talks about when we become heirs with Abraham. We become heirs of faith. How is it that Abraham is an heir of faith? What is it that Abraham has done? Right? Abraham was told by God to go from Ur to the promised land. And what did he do? He did it. That's faith. See how complex it is? God tells us to do something, and we do it. And more than that, we desire to do the things of God. We hunger and thirst for the things of God. And here's the transition between coming between being children and being heirs, being sons. That we not only just do what our Father wants us to do, but we love and desire to do His will. We come into a humble obedience and we share in His kingdom. We share in His worldview and the ways that He wants us to do things. Our very hearts and minds are radically changed by His love for us. When I was 13, I was confirmed here at St. Timothy's Church in Henderson. And my grandfather, uh, Howard Sr., had died some years before. And my grandmother uh, came to the confirmation, and she presented me with two rings that he had bought. He was a a lover of turquoise jewelry, and he would buy them at the rest stops in the southwest 
uh, as he would go, and the Navajo would lay out their blankets. And uh, he had uh, some pieces that I always just thought of him when I uh, saw these pieces because I always saw them on his hands. And so uh, one of these rings is this one that I'm wearing today. And when she gave it to me, I couldn't even put it on my thumb, right? I put it on my thumb and it was like a, it's almost like a wristband. It seemed so big to me as a 13-year-old, you know? And I thought, well, this isn't anything I can use. I'll never be able to wear that ring. I thought of him as being so big and I thought of his hands as being so big. I thought there's no way I'll ever be able to wear them. And I just put them into a drawer and forgot about them. Indeed, I never tried to put them on until many years later when my dad died. And suddenly after my dad died, I thought, I really want to find this ring and try to put it on. All of a sudden, it, it had a different importance that I'd never really thought of before. And I took the ring out, and to my surprise, it didn't fit on my thumb, and it didn't fit on my middle finger. It only fit barely on my ring finger. I was shocked uh, that it fit. The love that God has for us and the life that he would have us uh, live with him is much like that ring. He's given it to us. And we could put it in a box and leave it in a drawer and never really respond with the love and the forgiveness, with the grace and the mercy and the compassion that he first showed us. But if we would put on his love, if we would receive his forgiveness, if we would live by his grace and justice, then we would have true presence this Christmas. May we open those true presents of Christmas and enjoy them this day and forevermore.